This is Shane Gibson's podcast from ClosingBigger.net. Today I want to talk about social selling, more or less the new sales funnel that we're all looking at today. I've seen the term social selling very popularized, not unlike the term social media was popularized back in 2009, 2010, 2011. The concept of social selling as a topic for every speaker, trainer, author, coach, you name it, person with the blog, has literally exploded, which I think is awesome because this means there's mass adoption, studying, and great learning and innovation happening in the space. What it also means, though, is there's a whole bunch of people not doing it so well and teaching some really, I would call to be gentle, interesting tactics. I think too often they're missing the point. Today, Today, number one, social media isn't a platform that you want to use purely for pitching. In fact, probably the last thing you want to do when you start is to pitch. In addition to that, what's also gone is the day where the marketing department hands you, the sales professional, a list of leads that are pre-qualified with all the research done and saying, here, call them. They want to talk to you. I mean, the odd business I've worked with, they've got a great inbound marketing strategy. But even then, in many cases, that's not the type of lead you're looking at when you look at the social selling space. Today, a lead is no longer an inbound call or an inbound email. In many cases, it's a tweet you've noticed about your brand, about a topic, and you've interacted with them and asked them a question. Or it's a LinkedIn post that you've posted, a blog post that you created on LinkedIn Pulse, where someone you don't know has commented on it. You've turned around, responded to them, interacted with them, began to create a dialogue and some rapport. Next thing you know, you're connected on LinkedIn. Then you've got some level of consent to connect or to converse. And then eventually, that person, if qualified and interested, enters your sales funnel. For some reason, today, people feel that LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook or their blog or any other social platform is actually somewhere they can stand on a soapbox and yell at the marketplace their sales offering. I would consider that a high waste and non-sustainable sales process. So if we think about sustainability in its true essence is really about using and maximizing the resources we have. So when we talk about sustainability, we often talk about recycling. Uh, we talk about fair energy use. We talk about reducing um, our use of key assets, uh, reusing, upcycling, all that fun stuff. But I think if you look at that analogy, you can also use that in sales from the aspect is how much waste is in your sales funnel. So if you connect to 100 people on LinkedIn, send them all a spammy generic pitch message right away after, even a week later, and 10 of them are interested, or 20 are, but the other 80 are turned off. That's what I call a ton of waste in your sales funnel. It's a very wasteful, unsustainable process that I think is going to impact your reputation over time, alienate long-term opportunities, and it's really just very short-term and very much transactionally focused. Now, if your business is highly tra- transactional and you only do business with someone once and you rarely, rarely ever get a referral, then from that perspective, maybe being transactionally focused and seeing people you meet as disposable will work. But most of us, I think, are looking to establish long-term relationships with our customers and drive a lot of referrals from them. In fact, I believe truly from a social media perspective, it's not what we say about ourselves that's important. It's the number of people that are talking about us, sharing our content, um, and really, really helping us develop our sales funnel. So I want to talk about the new sales funnel, or what Jay Levinson and I 
called back when we wrote Guerrilla Social Media was the five stages of consent. And consent or permission to sell or market to someone is one of the most important parts of the sales and marketing process. Yet it's often overlooked as to how we get from being a stranger to having permission to sell to someone, to educate them, to stay in touch, or just build a relationship. So I want to start way back at the beginning. So the first stage of the new sales funnel, or the first stage of consent, is discovery. And this is the key aspect, is how discoverable are you? And so what do I mean by discoverable is when people are looking for solutions around yours, or they're just places on the internet, networking and interacting and connecting with communities, are you present and visible there? So that's the first step. And so discover, discoverability comes in many aspects. Number one, it could be something as simple as discovering you at a seminar. Now, that seems kind of funny because we're talking about social selling, but I believe that truly good social salespeople um, are actually out using all the tools. And so it is not about just online interaction, but blending the online and the offline. So possibly someone meets you or discovers you at an event or through publicity or through a referral, through print, an in-person meeting, advertising, a shared update from somebody in your network, or someone commenting on maybe a post you've written on LinkedIn, which has been shared with their network through non-mutual connections. Uh, could be through search engines like Google Places. But the key is, is your business discoverable? And are you as a sales professional, if you're listening to this and you're an individual entrepreneur or sales professional, are you personally discoverable? When I search your name or I search for a topic related to your area of expertise in my area, in my region, do I find you, mention of you, are you involved in those organizations, or are you kind of the invisible networker? Now, once someone's discovered you or your content, you still don't know they exist sometimes. So then the next step is consumption. So they may be consuming a tweet, your Facebook updates, your blog posts, video, something you shared, something someone else has shared about you, your email newsletter, online chats, webinars, seminars, you name it. And this is kind of what I'd like to talk about is the importance of, of thought leadership in the consumption step. So there's a lot of people out there creating a lot of noise on social media, a lot of people writing what I would call me too content. Um, every social media marketer I know has a blog post on 10 Instagram success tips and three um, Twitter success stories and five ways you can improve your Facebook advertising, which is great if you already know them. But if you don't know them and you hit their website, it's going to look a whole lot like everything else you've seen. So we need to elevate ourselves, not just from being consumable and as far as a con from a content creation or curation perspective, but you have to elevate yourself to the level of thought leader. Now, I want to talk about thought leadership briefly here, and it's probably a topic, it is a topic I'm going to tackle deeper in the next podcast in the next few weeks. But let's talk about what thought leadership really looks at like. A lot of people think thought leadership in any area online, it means you're creating content. You're writing blog posts, you're creating video. That's kind of true. But I think the important part is that content has to absolutely be for someone, not for everyone. As Seth Godin says, your business or your product isn't for everyone, it's for someone. So who is that someone? Who's your core target market or target markets? Where does it hurt for them? What are their goals? And developing and sharing content that resonates with that. Now, that alone doesn't make you a thought leader. That means you're great at creating or curating content. There's two other aspects of being a great thought leader, in my opinion. The next one, and there's a Venn diagram, by the way, on the blog post for this podcast at closingbigger.net. 
kind of outlines this. The next step to being a thought leader beyond creating great relevant content is actually having engaging relevant conversations. So they call it social media for a reason, not publishing media or yelling media or talking at media. It's social. It's supposed to be bi-directional in two-way. So it's about not just sharing great content, but having great conversations with your target market through Facebook groups, through your own posts, through Twitter, through great new tools like Blab. All of these provide the opportunity, or even through actually hosting a local meetup or event where you're interacting and having dialogue with your core target market. So these are all examples of having relevant conversations. Then the third thing that a great thought leader does is they build community. And how you build community is creating opportunities for people to connect of like-mindedness. Building that tribe, again, referring to Seth Godin, um, as Seth Godin would say, building that tribe. And so you become that galvanizing force that pull like-minded people together. So how do you do that? Well, thought leadership could or building community may just come in the form of actually pulling together other experts and writing a white paper together, which you share broadly with the community. It might be hosting a webinar. It could be creating a podcast where you interview people and customers and people in your marketplace. Or it might be something as simple as the next blog post you write is actually about successful people in your community who are within your target market or who service it and profiling them and building up their business versus yours. So find a way to do something bigger than yourself by promoting those around you. And so when we think about thought leadership, that's what's really, what it's really about. And so you're creating great content, you're building community, and you're having really relevant conversations. And this is what elevates you above being a pitch artist or just another gen- generic content creator and a thought leader. So by doing so at that consumption phase, you're truly able to create content that drives the next step. And the next step of consent is interaction. So let me just review these, or actually go over these steps with you. The first step is discovery. The second step is consumption. The third step is interaction. The fourth is connection. And the fifth, finally, is consent to sell, market to, or build a relationship. And that's really where they enter what I would call your traditional sales funnel. Most people want to go from discovery or from nothing directly to market at or consent. But if we go through these five steps with our prospects, customers and clients and people in the community, we're going to find that, number one, we waste a lot less interaction. In other words, we're not going to repel the majority of people we connect with just to convert that 5%, but we'll also have a lot more spinoff and a lot more long-term relationships. So the next stage is interaction. So after someone's consumed your content, often they'll like it, they'll share it, they'll tweet it, they'll ask you a question, they'll make a comment, and at that point, you have a great opportunity to interact with them. And so they could click on a link, ask a question, like an update, retweet your content, visit your website, or even click an ad. But all of these actions begin to create interaction. And if possible, at this point, we want to socially engage them on a one-to-one level, if at all possible. So it's something as simple as someone shares one of my blog posts. I've never met them, but I find a link for it uh, through Google Plus or through Twitter. And I quickly just thank them for sharing the update and asking them how things are today in Austin, Texas. And they reply to me, things are great. Thanks a lot for writing the blog post. And we bounce back and forth a couple more times. I might share some of their content. And then, you know what? A day later, I may reach out to that person via LinkedIn and actually connect and suggest that we might get to know each other a bit better through LinkedIn. And so I've gone from interaction or from them discovering me to consuming my content to interacting with me to having a conversation 
to connection. And connection can happen where you move that online loose connection to a phone call, an in-person meeting. Maybe they subscribe to your newsletter. They follow you on Twitter. They like you on Facebook. They request a quote or sample. They download a white paper. These are all examples of connection. And once we have that connection, based upon the depth of interaction we've had, we then move into consent. So once they've connected, we often get consent. And depending on how they connect, we're going to get consent on one of four things. One is sell to me. Two is educate me. Three is stay in touch. And four is build a relationship. And so these are kind of the four areas. And from there, my suggestion to you from a social sales perspective is you segment your prospects based upon those four things. Are they ready to be sold to? Maybe they want a quote or a pitch. Uh, Maybe they need a product demo. Or maybe they just need to be educated about the industry and get in our newsletter, possibly into a webinar. Or maybe they just want to stay in touch. They're a potential partner. They're just curious. They've met us. They like our content. And you know what? They need to be nurtured a bit. Or maybe fourth is they're just wanting to build a relationship. And so based upon this, you can put them into kind of one of four processes. So from this aspect, I think this really kind of summarizes really what the new sales professional who's building their funnel and even sales organization needs to do. We need to stop thinking about add, click, buy, which is nice because that covers maybe 5 or 3% of the people who you interact with. But the other 97%, there's a huge chunk of them that can be converted to customers, partners, employees, you name it. If we've got the ability, the patience, and the process set in place to move them through the five stages of consent, which I'll review again our discovery, consumption, interaction, connection, and consent. So wrapping this up, we really go back to that saying that, you know, content is king. But here's the key. If content is king, then connection is queen, and you need them both. So your content is going to drive that interaction, which is going to give you that connection, which is going to finally drive that consent and move you into the sales process. This is Shane Gibson's podcast from ClosingBigger.net. You can reach me at ClosingBigger.net and find the notes for this presentation there. You can also tweet me at Shane Gibson on Twitter. Have an excellent day.